The scripture passage is from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters, so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed it, him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kinds of death he was going to die. Then Peter entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did the others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release you, release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Little round of applause for our confirmants reading that scripture, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So uh, one more thing before um, we launch into the message this morning. Um, Lori mentioned that uh, two weeks from now we are going to be uh, entering and having a grand opening for our new Palm Center, hallelujah. Uh, it's a great thing. And uh, because of your generosity, we have uh, been able to uh, not have to go to the bank for uh, that interim financing, which we had set up for ourselves, a line of credit to uh, cover our, our costs, as we are only in the second year of our three-year campaign. So that's really, really good news. But we're getting close to that point where we're going to have to start to do some interim financing before we catch up with our payments. So to that point, I would encourage you, if you've made pledges to the campaign, and if you still have some remaining, if you were to do that earlier than later, then that would just delay our having to go to the bank for financing. If you've not yet participated in the campaign, now's a good time to start, and uh, you can write a check for Open Palms, and uh, that would go toward uh, the construction of our building, as well as our deferred maintenance projects, which we still have a few to do. So. Uh, but uh, it's all good, and uh, we would love for you to continue in your generosity as we look forward to moving in. You can always write a check out the Church of the Palms and just put open palms on it, or you can give online. But uh, we are grateful that we'll have the chance to celebrate in two weeks. 
So let us pray. Thank you, O oh God, that you have uh, given us this opportunity to wonder about uh, the pushbacks of life, and we're thankful that last week we had the chance to wonder about our relationships and the pushback that we get from those, and today, as we hear this, uh, again, this great conversation between Jesus and Pilate, we know of the great pushback from the powers and principalities of the world, and we pray, Lord, that you will help us to wonder what we are called to do in response to that, and we Pray your blessing and your spirit's movement in our midst. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So on October 12th, 1947, a young Air Force captain was out riding his horse and got thrown. And the result of it was that he broke two, broke two ribs. And he couldn't let anybody know that he had broken two ribs. So he went to a doctor off base and he got taped up. And he couldn't let anyone know that he had been taped up for two broken ribs because two days later he was scheduled to slip into the cockpit of an experimental rocket-powered plane, the Bell X-1, because nothing was going to keep Chuck Yeager from that cockpit in attempting to break the invisible sound barrier, which he did. And the world heard its first human sonic boom. Roger Bannister died last week. If you were alive back in 1954, then chances are you read about his name in the front page of whatever newspaper you were reading. Roger Bannister had gone where no man or woman had ever gone before, at least in recorded human history. On May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister, a London medical student, worked his usual shift at St. Mary's Hospital, took an early afternoon train up to Oxford, had lunch with some old friends, met a couple of his teammates and then made his way to a rather inauspicious track and prepared to run against Oxford University. And on that day, Roger Bannister did what no other human being had done before. He broke the four-minute barrier. He ran the mile in under four minutes. He had gone where billions of other human beings had only dreamed to go. He imagined that maybe someday someone might run under four minutes the mile, and he imagined that maybe someday it could even be him. And so he did it, and the next day his name was in every newspaper headline, a sonic boom. A year after Roger Bannister broke the four-minute barrier, a 42-year-old African-American citizen of Montgomery, Alabama, broke the barrier of a Montgomery City bus the one that said, no coloreds allowed. Rosa Parks sat in the forward section of the rear of a Montgomery City bus and refused to give up her seat to a white man. And the country heard one of the first sonic booms of the civil rights movement. Sometimes the most difficult barriers to break are the invisible ones. So when Jesus is nearing the end of his life and his ministry of compassion and grace and truth-telling, he gets this big pushback, the pushback from the powers that be, and he finds himself dragged to the local magistrate, Pontius Pilate, and the two get talking of kingdoms. And Pilate is sitting in his praetorium. He's surrounded by all the kingdom trappings of imperial Rome. The imposing Roman eagle hovers above him. And so there's no confusion as to who's in control, who has the power, who really is the king. But Jesus speaks back to Pilate of a different kingdom, 
one that Pilate cannot see, one that is invisible, and this invisible barrier Pilate cannot see beyond. My kingdom, Jesus says, is not of this world. My kingdom does not have praetoriums or hovering eagles or thrones or palaces. From the very beginning, Jesus has been talking about this kingdom. From the very start of his ministry, when he opens his mouth for the first time, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is right there in front of you. The kingdom of heaven is this close, but there is this barrier, this invisible barrier that makes it difficult for you and me to enter. I suppose it's what C.S. Lewis was trying to portray when he tells the story of this little girl, Lucy, who's trying to find a good hiding spot in a hide-and-seek game with her siblings, and so she crawls into an old wardrobe of coats, and she makes her way to the back, and all of a sudden, she's in another world, a once invisible world, a world of fawns and talking animals and witches and lions and a world called Narnia, and she comes back and she tries to convince the others where she's been, but they'll have nothing of it. There is this barrier that they can't see or believe or imagine this other world. It's Ray Kinsella building a field of dreams in his cornfield because he knows that somehow when he builds it, another world is going to open up and all the baseball greats of generations past will be able to come and play again, and only a few will be able to see it, those who believe, those who imagine, those who dream. And people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come because they will have heard your sonic boom, and you will have broken down the barrier. So it just takes one, right? Just takes one. Just takes one to show us that the barrier can be broken. It just takes one Chuck Yeager, one Roger Bannister, one Rosa Parks, one Lucy Pevensey, one Ray Kinsella, just to imagine that there is this other world out there that we can access, that we can touch, that we can enter if we are just willing to believe, to imagine, to dream. And so Jesus walks from town to town in Palestine to anyone who's willing to listen. He says to them, follow me, and I will show you the kingdom. Follow me into that wardrobe, and I will show you that there is this other world, and in this other world, you will experience what real life is all about. You will experience what it means to break down the barrier and to release the sonic boom of the kingdom. And that's the first step, right? The first step is to consciously follow the one who dares to break the barrier, to jump in the cockpit with Chuck Yeager, broken ribs and all, and take this ride into this unknown region beyond sight and sound. Jesus says, follow me, and I will show you the kingdom. The kingdom that is this close, and yet for you is this far away. On your own, you won't be able to see it, but when you follow me, he says, you will discover more than you could ever imagine. And so we surrender ourselves to Jesus, and we put our life into his life, and we say, take me to the kingdom. And we learn about Jesus, and we discover that Jesus boldly breaks down barriers, boldly breaks down barriers into other people's lives. Jesus boldly breaks down barriers into other people's lives. The barriers that keep people from people, 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus says, and he's anointed me to lead you to where it is. So follow me as I bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim all debts forgiven. And when you hear Jesus say that, you begin to see all these barriers in your life, all these chasms be created between you and other people. All those people that we want to make invisible, the poor and the captives and the oppressed and the guilty, and we begin to dream with Jesus of a world where there are no more poor, no more oppressed, no more captives, no more blind, no more want, no more need. And Jesus sets us up to imagining what might need to happen in order that the kingdom of heaven might become more visible. What barrier am I called to break down? Young William Wilberforce set out to pursue a career in law and politics in the late 18th century, but at age 26, he encountered the living Christ and knew that to follow him was to find a, was to find a barrier to break through. And that's when he realized that the chasm between him and the slaves who were being traded and who were being imported from other lands, and he knew that the kingdom was inside those slaves. And he knew that the kingdom was in setting free the captives. And he surrendered his life to the abolition of slavery and the ending of the slave trade in England, sacrificing his life and health to bring about the passage of the Slavery Abolition Act of 1833, died just three days later, but not without having first entered into the kingdom. For a large part of his life, Dietrich Bonhoeffer saw from a distance the struggle of his Jewish brothers and sisters and didn't do anything about it. The anti-Semitism of his culture was inbred even with him, he later confessed. But when he set himself to radically following the Savior, he knew that that was a barrier that needed breaking, the one between him and the people of Israel. And so he followed the master into the thick of the Nazi machine and got himself arrested and thrown into prison and later executed. And along with all the anxiety and all the loneliness of a prison cell came this peace of the kingdom, the peace of knowing he had done something right. Bobby Kennedy was fond of quoting George Bernard Shaw, who wrote, some men see things as they are and say why. Others dream things that never were and say why not. And don't you wonder if that isn't a big part of what Jesus calls us to do, what he calls Pilate to do, what he calls the disciples to do, to ask the simple question, why not? That's the sonic boom question, right? Why not? Well, uh, we, we've never done it that way. Well, why not? Well, you know, it's just the way the world is. You know, the world's never going to change. Well, why not? Well, you know, there's hunger, disease, poverty, violence, forces too big for any one person, no sense in standing up against it. Well, why not? They say that dreamers, dreamers went to the moon long before Neil Armstrong. 
Don't you think it's what those Parkland students were trying to do? You know, they were trying to dream of a world where first graders or high school students don't get mowed down by crazy people with semi-automatic weapons. And it doesn't matter where you come out on the gun issue. It doesn't matter what you think the solution might be. The point is, dare we follow them in their dreaming? Dare we say, why not? Dare we say something at least that says we refuse to accept a world where innocent children are snuffed out in a classroom? Our Children at Risk concert last Sunday raised $5,500 to support the work of UNICEF and raised awareness for 600 people to the plight of children all across our globe. And, and so there's this little chipping of the wall and the breaking of the barrier between ourselves and children who live in a world far different than ours. And when we follow Jesus, we break down that divide and we break ourselves into the soul of another human being and we find there the kingdom of heaven. And maybe that's what happens when a person says, I'm going to volunteer just one day of my life. I'm going to give some money. I'm going to contribute a few hours to the day of hope. I'm going, to, I'm going to live my life for a moment in the life of another person. And I will, I will break down this divide between me and these children who cannot... <laughs> who don't have enough money to start school. And I know that Jesus tells me that let the little children come unto me, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. So I know this young woman named Shannon, and I've known her since she was knee-high to a grasshopper. <clears throat> That's an old person's way of saying something, isn't it? And Shannon grew up in suburban America. She attended my church in New Jersey, and she did the typical American high school thing. She went to class. She played sports. She hung out with her friends. But then she and her family go to Tanzania for a little vacation, and she sees this divide. She sees this huge divide between her and these, and these kids her age. And she sees they have nothing. And she sees in particular they have no books, no books to read. And so she comes home and she says, this is unacceptable. And then folks, of course, said to her, well, that's Tanzania, Shannon. You know, there's not much you can do about that. And Shannon said, why not? Why not? And so she started Shannon's after-school reading exchange, Share, and she collected books and money, and long story short, through her high school years and a few trips back and forth to Tanzania, she established four libraries with a collection of 33,000 books, created reading programs, outfitted classrooms with computers, built a dining hall, and brought electricity to several schools, all because she asked the Jesus question, why not? Tom Monahan, founder of Domino's Pizza, was asked what the secret of his success was, and he said, the secret of my success is that I didn't know it couldn't be done. Some people see things as they are and say, why? Others dream things that never were and say, why not? Don't you wonder don't you wonder if there isn't another sonic boom waiting? Some barrier we can break down? The kingdom, Jesus says, the kingdom is this close. It's right here. You 
just have to believe. You, you just have to imagine. You just have to dream. You, you just have to move to the front of the bus. You just have to get into the cockpit and boom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you invite us into this amazing life of going behind the curtain and seeing what the real life is all about. And we pray that you will give us that impassioned spirit to ask the Jesus question, why not? Why not me? So Lord, give us courage. Help us to face in to the powers and principalities that would say, you can't. And to say, why not? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.